CliffCentral.com. Just the way I wanted to start this show, I think with life, love, love, love in the air. I'm Pumi Mashejo and you listening to Wumandla. Um, how romantic is that song? Share the shelter of my single bed. I'm just like, mm, Bob Marley, Bob Marley, Bob Marley. One of my favorite love songs and definitely um, good way. To get into the last stretch towards Valentine's Day, right? And Valentine's Day, there's love, there's love in the head. There's hearts everywhere. There's red roses. People are going insane, insane, insane about it. And I actually thought today I'm going to take, mm, is it a cynical view? Actually, no, it's a woman's perspective on Valentine's Day. And more importantly, it's the safe, smart woman's perspective on Valentine's Day. A little bit later in the show, I'm going to be talking to one of the counselors from the Rape Crisis Center, and we're going to be talking about date rape. Mm, you haven't heard that one in a while. People aren't talking about that for a long time. But also, today I'm introducing a new feature because I've I've been seeing these headlines every day and I'm like, somebody has got to talk about these things. So today I'm introducing a new feature and every week going forward, at least for the rest of the year, because I foresee this for the rest of the year being like a big thing in the papers. Women in the news, women making news. And today's one is particularly irritating for me because everywhere I drove, every single one of the local newspapers, Sowetan, The Star, The Independent Newspaper Group, even on IOL, I checked it out. They are running with the same lead. Uh, Times Live are running with the same lead. How absolutely disgusting is this headline today? Um, Quoting, uh, I don't even... didn't even see the name earlier, but quoting, women are too weak to lead. The Sowetans got a big picture of Madam Nkosazana Zamini Zuma, who has now come back into the country now that her tenure as AU chair has ended. She's back in the country and she is full force running for the ANC presidency. And everywhere she is going at the moment, everybody, and this is the irritating thing for me, girls, is everywhere, everybody is talking about she's unfit to lead because she's a woman. She's unfit to lead because she's Jacob Zuma's wife. She's unfit to to lead, according to this article in particular, because, quote, unquote, Women are weak and sensitive and this country is a mess and a woman would never be able to lead us out of this mess. This is what um, the Kosa King uh, said yesterday at an, at an event where he was actually hosting her. So he was hosting this woman and then this is how he like responds to the fact that she actually is out there campaigning. Um, another article that was very interesting for me this week that I picked up yesterday in the Sowetan again, Sowetan Live. Well done to the Sowetan on the kind of reporting that they've got out there. Even though they're sensationalizing it, I'd like to see headlines that are a little bit more, you know, balanced. Uh, because this headline says, I'm intersex, says Miss Sundowns. And it is about the most 
beautiful Sharon Rose Kumalo, who is the newly crowned Miss Sundowns. And she has come out as saying, yes, she is intersex and she is okay with that. I loved this article. It's all about how when she was 21 years old, she discovered that actually what was wrong with her not having her periods over when she became a teenager was that she actually didn't have a uterus. Um, but this is the girl that she is and this is the life that she's living. And I'm bravo to you, madame, for not giving in and not uh, staying to the traditional stereotypes of what intersex women can and cannot do. What was really lovely about this article again is when I went on at the bottom of the article, they had a, um, a gender, sexual orientation and gender identity advocacy senior administrator come on and actually define the term intersex because I can imagine there's a lot of people until I had Jabu Pereira on the show, shout out to my friend at iranti.org um, until I had him on the show, I also didn't quite understand what it is. A couple of years ago when the Casta Semenya boo-ha-ha was all over the place, I didn't quite understand what that was about. And there is a really lovely um, explanation at the end here that explains that intersex is a person who does not fall medically into the normative standards. So what you and I and everybody else in society deem to be a male person or a female person, specifically with regards to the genitalia, chromosomes, or even their hormones. And then the term that everybody likes to use, which is actually a derogatory term and is not meant for humans, hermaphrodite, an outdated and offensive term previously and incorrectly used to refer to intersex person. In modern use, it refers to plants and animals, typically with both male and female sex characteristics. So things like... hmm. I don't even quite remember what that would be. And then transgender, something that has become big out there, thanks to uh, Caitlyn Jenner. We have seen a person who does not particularly or wholly identify with their gender assigned at birth. Transgender is an umbrella term that includes all those who are not cisgender, the opposite of transgender. So that is, that's the story. Those are some of the headlines. Really love the fact that... um on Huffington Post South Africa, who are not as advanced because they knew. Shout out to my girl for real out there, um, who's the the editor of Huffington Post South Africa. They have a lot of articles, but also leading with the story. Well, leading with Sona, but also somewhere down there, they've got the story about Nkosa Zanazuma and how derogatory that Kosa chief was. And... Another story that's kind of bubbling under here is the story of the black on black and girl on girl, or is that woman to woman uh, violence that we are seeing with the previous public protector and the current public protector, Ms. Tulima Donzela and <laughs> Ms. Mkwebana. I'm just like, how? Girls, can't we all just get along and do the job at hand, do the job at hand? But there are quite a lot of women-focused stories on Huffington Post. Unlike the international Huffington, they don't have a Huffington Post women just yet. Um, hint, hint, I hope you put it out there. On Huffington Post, you can find lots of stories that that will interest you as a woman that will empower you and also will give you a little bit of some things to think about. While I get my guest on the show, a song that created a lot of hoo-ha, lots of hoo-ha when it first came out. While I get my show, my guest on the line who's coming, who's coming to us all the way from Cape Town is Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines. The way you grab me, must want to get nasty, hey, hey. 
How much I love to hate that song, right? It's such a head banger. But when that song came out, there was all the talk about what is he actually saying here? Robin Thicke had blurred lines, which I think is the perfect way to introduce our next guest, Cherie Lee, who's from, who's a counselor at Rape Crisis Center in Cape Town, all the way in Cape Town. Thanks for coming on the line with me, Cherie Lee. Thank you, Pumi. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so I start with that song because I think the the mm-hmm. one thing about Valentine's for me is it creates so much expectations and there's so much mm. like flirting and fun and every mm-hmm. and and all the love that's in the air and all mm. the the blurred lines that actually mm-hmm. come with it. One of the hidden dangers, or maybe not even so hidden danger, that a lot of women kind of push to the back of their heads is the very real issue of date rape. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. rape in, you know, rape in general, but r- date mm-hmm. rape in particular, I think mm-hmm. is one of the things that all women are in danger of at this time of the year. And so mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that you came to chat with us. Oh, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Yes. And I was saying to you earlier that one of the things that I found quite disconcerting is yes. I had to go all the way down to Cape Town because I called a couple <laughs> of places. I searched on the Internet. I called sure. a couple of places up here in mm. Joburg. Didn't, mm-hmm. I emailed some people. I didn't get any responses. I didn't get mm-hmm. any answers. And, and isn't that one of the things that's so indicative of rape is it's, it's so widely yeah. spread but so yes. unspoken about. Well, resources are scarce, yes, and, and and rape is an issue that has become more highlighted, and we thank the media for profiling, or should I say, showing up um, the issues around rape. It's such an important issue as well, and it's such a, yeah, it has such a profound impact on survivors. It really does. And Shirley, earlier we were just, I was just looking at some of the headlines that are in all the national newspapers today. Uh And the big one that's almost everyone is leading with is the, the Kosa King who, who's, um, actually said to Nkosa Zana Lamini Zuma to her face yesterday that women are too weak to lead. Which sure. <laughs> I know, right? Like it's it, it was language. it was quite shocking, and mm. and and why for me it was such an important thing to talk about today, not just to highlight mm. that even in 2017 we live with men who have that kind of thinking, mm. but mm. also in the context of our conversation, one of the things that a lot of people misconstrue rape as being a crime of passion, as it being. Mm. Is that actually rape or rape, whether it's date rape, whether mm. it is um, forced by complete strangers, is actually mm. about power. It's about power yes. play. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, men are pretty powerful in South African society still today. Patriarchy is still quite alive. And the social norms that perpetuate rape, um, and especially around issues of consent, are still very much there. The, um, the idea that, um, you know, that men can kind of do what they do is not a new one. It's something that we're still trying to shift. And I, I make a sweeping statement here. It's quite a generalization. Mm. Um, when I talk generally about, um, 
about men in, you know. Yes, of course. I mean, we, we do recognize here at Womandla that not all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, are they anywhere near as equal and awesome as women? <laughs> but I think the, the, the one thing is that overwhelmingly, even though men can also be, um, sexually assaulted, the one mm. thing that is overwhelming mm. is that the numbers are very skewed towards women yes. being particularly yes. vulnerable to this kind of attack. Yes, yes, no, absolutely. And yeah. I just yeah. wanted to chat, you know, in your experience working with survivors of any kind of sexual yes. assault, some of the things that, um, a big warning signs that uh-huh, girls uh-huh. should look out for to say when they are in, yeah. in, in contact, especially with someone that you know, because I think the, the intimacy of date rape yeah. actually skews it a little bit. It's not, this is not a, a man you've never met, you don't know, yeah. who is simply rude and horrendous and violating you. This is yeah. somebody that you've brought into close proximity to you and yeah. into your confidence. Mm, Actually, so mm. what what are some of the the big warning signs that girls should look out for to say, hmm, you know, I need to be a little bit more careful with this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I can understand why people ask this question about how can I keep myself safe? How can I prevent being, you know, in a situation where I might be sexually assaulted or raped? But actually, perhaps we can think about it a little differently or because the reality is there aren't always warning signs that we can read so easily. Mm. Um, And if we can think about it a little differently in terms of um, let's speak to men about not treating women like they do Mm. Um, because the way they treat women is very damaging. It has sometimes, um, you know, it often can have an impact on how she might function within her family, in her work domain, whether she's able to actually even move out of her house. So healing from rape, even attempted rape, is a big thing. Mm. Um, and, I mean, you, 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 you spoke earlier in terms of a very important um, sort of thinking around rape is that idea of, well, I was out on a date. In some way, I was complicit, but that's not the case. Um, people consent to a date, but they don't consent to be raped. Mm. Um, so yeah, the issue of consent is very important, and how do men navigate that relationship so they can understand that what they might be potentially doing is damaging? And and how do we start those conversations? How do we start those conversations in our yeah. relationships yeah. with men? So yeah. even as this is a new person I've been flirting with, or I really mm. like this guy, so mm-hmm. how how do we start the conversations around boundaries and consent? I think that's really an important question, and I don't know if there is a silver bullet to that, but I think, you know, generally, if you think about society and how what the narratives are in society around how we talk about gender, what are men supposed to be? You know, they're supposed to be these big, strong, manly men, and what are women supposed to be? Um, how do we conceive or um, put men and women in the different boxes? And how do we talk about women in particular? Um, what is the language or the narratives that we use around women? Um, and how do, you know, the other thing is I think we in the communities need to challenge. Um, we need to challenge um, uh, rape 
culture, basically, and speak up against it. Um, so, uh, rape culture. <laughs> yeah. the, this is a word that, for me, was a particularly new word in the past couple mm. of years. It's mm-hmm. it's become such a, a very familiar word that's been so used. And, mm. you know, sometimes I'm not even quite sure what that word really means. Well, I think it kind of speaks to an attitude or an assumed social norm, you know, a social norm that perpetuates rape or the idea that women um, are objects rather than individuals or persons and that they have rights and they have rights to safety and security themselves. And those social norms are something that we learn very early on as children. Mm. Um, We live in a family who perhaps speak in a specific way around issues on gender and the roles and responsibilities inherent in that and the narratives around that. How we speak about um, gender, I think, and how, you know, the attitudes we have around it are seriously important. Because the impact on a survivor can be, as I said earlier, potentially profound. Mm. Um, I think it's important that we tackle that head on, you know. And and the other thing is that we often, in our kind of um, social norms, we are blaming survivors. We are saying she shouldn't have actually walked down that street wearing that dress or she shouldn't have been out late at night. Um, you know, and is that really fair? Mm. Um, it's I don't think it's fair that we're blaming survivors. That victim-blaming blaming attitude silences people and doesn't allow them to have a voice and come out and speak up and also not access treatment that they so deserve. First of all, um, the medical treatment and then counselling and help is vital during this time period. Yeah, because people do keep it to themselves and just speaking of of surviving an attack of this nature, there's so many, everybody's got advice to say, you must do this, you mustn't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. There's so many things out there. If yeah. you, if if one should ever find themselves in the incredibly yeah. unfortunate situation where you yeah. have been violated yeah. in any way, yeah. what what are the the five top things that you must do in order yeah. of appearance? Okay, so seek help. You know, try and get to a safe place as early as um, as possible. Um, you know, you might be in a place where you're not able to make a decision right there and then, but the people that you lean on, also be aware not to impose your own um, ideas on a survivor because she needs to kind of take control of her life and her body is part of that. So saying that she must do this and she must do that is not actually really helpful, but showing her what her choices are in that process are helpful and allowing her to go at her own pace. So critically speaking, if someone has been raped, they need to get help within 72 hours. Um, you can't get... 72 hours, that's three yeah. days. It's within three days. And um, I know this is really hard, but trying to gain medical treatment as early as possible is key here. Because we say 72 hours, but actually the earlier you can get um, access to antiretroviral treatment, the better the prognosis is in preventing the contracting of HIV. And then in that, the other part of the medical treatment is getting antibiotics for STIs and the morning after pull. Now the morning after pull and the antibiotics for STIs can be gotten later. 
think the morning after, probably if I remember correctly, is five, within five days. The medical treatment, try not to bath, have a cup of tea or smoke or um, shower. Even a cup times. of tea? Even a cup of tea because the perpetrator may not have raped you vaginally or anally. He may have raped you orally. Mm. Um, so that is one way of collecting forensic evidence. So the medical process is a different process to the forensic process. The forensic process is where the um, doctor will collect evidence that will support what your statement says about what has happened. Mm. Um, so there's a lot for survivors to think about. You know, it really is. Do they want to press charges or don't they? Do they want medical help or don't they? And generally, survivors want medical help. That's the first thing they want to think about because they want they want to keep themselves safe. Um, and then after that, of course, calling our helpline. We've got a 24-hour helpline. In fact, we've got three. Please give out those numbers for us. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. It's 021-447-9762. Then we have another two. That's 021-633-9229. And then 021-361-9085. And these are all Cape Town numbers, but anybody can call these numbers. Anybody nationally can call. If you just want to chat to a counsellor, day or night, you don't even have to say where you are. If you just need to speak to someone, you just want to reach out, something's happened and you you just want to try and make sense of it in a conversation, that's absolutely perfect. Call us. That's what we're there for. Mm, wonderful. And yeah. uh, so now you've, you've had the... And where does the, the forensic um, collection of, of um, evidence. evidence get taken? Yeah. Does this happen at the hospital? Does this, yes, do I have to go to a police station? So do I have to first go to the hospital and then go to the police station? Or does everything yeah. happen at the same time? Well, there are centers around the country, not everywhere, obviously, and I know that there are quite a few in Gauteng uh, called Tutuzela Care Centers, mm-hmm. and those are one-stop centers. So a survivor, if they called our helpline and they told us where they were near, we could actually refer them to the, the right Tutuzela Care Center, and they could go straight there. They can't be turned away. It's a 24-hour service. And they will call the police out to the hospital and everything will get done there. Oh, wow. Rather than actually go from pillar to post. But sometimes a survivor lives closer to the police station and it is easier for her to go there. So when you go to the police station, try and take someone who, you know, you care about, who's going to support you through this, um, that is your advocate basically with you. And you tell the frontline person at the community service centre that you'd like to report a rape. You don't have to say anything further. They will take you to a separate room and they will call the specialised unit out to take you off to the forensic facility as well. Oh, fantastic. See, I didn't even yeah. know that about the system. <laughs> Look, I, yes. you, you know, it's, it's such a thing. So for me, yes. even as yes. I was researching today's show... Uh-huh. So many questions kept coming up. And, mm. and one of the things that, that I became very acutely aware of is uh-huh. the fact that when you are a teenager, a mm. lot of this kind of information is all over you because the expert, mm. you know, but as you grow older, I don't know mm. where it all gets sifted off, where suddenly people mm. feel it's no longer relevant. 
to you. Well, you know, for me, I think that's so interesting because I suppose it speaks to how often we feel it's not going to happen to us. We're not going to get hijacked. We're not going to get raped. You know, it happens to other people. And when it does happen to us, you're right. We do sit in a situation where we don't know what to do. But that's what our helpline is there for as well. So if you want counseling, call the helpline. If you want to know what to do and what your options are, call the helpline and we'll help you think through it. You know? And what are the options that a girl has? What What are the, yeah. the real and tangible options, even before we go into the dearth yeah. of the criminal justice system? Absolutely. So safety is key here so that you can feel medically safe and psychologically safe. So getting to a safe space is the first critical thing, of course. But then also making decisions around your medical safety is also very important. So you don't need to go to, you don't have to report the rape in order to get the medical treatment from the um, forensic unit. You, um, I can't actually remember what the process is offhand, and now I'm feeling like I'm caught off. You know, it's a bit like when you get lost for words. Um, you can just um, you know, Shirley, make a I'll... statement that you don't want to report at this stage, but you do want to actually get the medical treatment. And this is provided free by the state because actually the state takes rape cases very seriously. It is a crime against the state. Mm. Um, you know, it's not just a per- it is a personal issue. Obviously, the crime has happened on the person's body and it feels, you know, you've, survivors often feel highly contaminated. They feel dirty and it's not the kind of dirty that you can easily wash off. Mm. But, um, yeah, it is a crime against the state. They take it very seriously. So the service is free. But survivors can go to their own doctors, of course, if that's what's going to make them feel more comfortable because, you know, it's hard to go and and think about going to report something like this or going to say, I was raped. Mm. It's hard to acknowledge that even at times. Mm. Because of that idea you referred to earlier around, well, we were on a date. So in a sense... I was there and I agreed yeah. to be with this person alone. At, you exactly. Know? Yeah, exactly. It was my own fault. And in fact, it's not your fault. It is the person that made the decision at that time that to not hear your call. Mm. Um, it's their fault. And Shirley, before I let you go, mm. um, in terms of, so that's the physical aspect yes. of it. And yes. and we know that, you know, the, the far-reaching consequences of this type of Absolutely. violation is that it is yeah. also incredibly psychological. Definitely. So, mm. psychologically, how does a survivor begin mm. to, to unravel what has happened and, and also yeah. just to, to begin the healing process so that they yeah. can live and move forward? Yeah. Well, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for it to for a survivor to be able to make that decision for herself, to decide when she is going to be ready to come for counselling. I also can't emphasise enough how important it is for those around her to get support as well because, you know, we we often hear people who are supporting a survivor saying she should go and get counselling or she should do this or she should do that. And it's their own sense of helplessness. And one's sense of helplessness is a very visceral reaction to, you know, I, I couldn't stop this. I couldn't stop my daughter, my my friend from being raped. Not that you can, you know. Mm. Um, it's not your responsibility. Um, but, yeah, so 
um, what I'm trying to say is some of the psychological impact is that people can become quite depressed and sad and they feel helpless and they feel a sense of shame and guilt. Um, they often find it difficult to parent their children or feel suspicious of new relationships and can I, you know, the trust in the world generally has been broken. Um, and then, and survivors have to learn how to trust themselves, first of all, and then how do you kind of engage and trust in others and see yourself in the world again? How can they function at work feeling like they are hypervigilant because they don't know whether the person that is coming in through the door is going to hurt them in some way? So, yeah, it can impact on a person on a very individual level where she feels a disconnection from her body and herself um, and a disconnection with others and in the work environment and or schooling environment. And as a sister, mother, wife, yeah. um, friend, yeah. how how can how can one, if you get to be the person uh-huh. that a, that that is the first port of call for somebody yeah. that has been violated, how yeah. do you how how can you best support? A person that comes to you to disclose such a, a violation, yes. and and what do you have to do, mm, and mm. and how do you support and advise, mm. without pushing well, your own agenda? Which I think yeah. you know, when somebody comes to me yes. for advice, I know that my reaction is often from my perspective, mm. and so mm. I have my own agenda in everything mm. that I put out there. That's, we all like that, won't we? We we often want to give advice because it's the it's the quick thing. I think one of the really painful things about listening to a survivor is that the story is painful and witnessing someone that you care about very deeply experiencing that pain is really hard. But one of, And the hardest thing is just to be there and listen. You don't have to fix her. She can fix herself. Mm. She has the tools within her and she will go at her own pace and trust that she knows what's right for her, even if you feel it's not right. She knows what's going to be okay for her during that time. Because when we try and fix and when we try and impose our will, it's, you know, it's not going to be taken on board necessarily. So try and figure it out with her. Try and collaborate with her what's going to be the best way forward. And then lastly, just Mm. if... Because we've been talking about girls. We've been talking about the spe- yes. perspective of a girl. Yes. If it is a guy on the other side, uh-huh. so they have been violated, they yes. are feeling un- unsure. How, how, does, how does one navigate that? Because I can imagine that that's a whole other show on its own. But just yeah. very quickly, how to, how to assist. How to assist a guy that, that yes. has been violated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Believe him. Like you would with all survivors, Your- believe him. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, all right. That that is that is not what I expected. And as you said it, it was like a punch in my gut because that's so oh, true. Dear. Yeah. <laughs> what were you expecting? I don't. I was. I, I actually w- was. I don't know what I was expecting. But I think yes. that just that statement is mm. so dis- You know, so empowering because mm. I can imagine that a lot of guys get disempowered mm. because they're mm. not believed. Well, a serious deep of sh- sense of shame as well because it goes back to our ideas around masculinity and that men should be able to protect themselves. 
Well, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and uh, men often experience a really deep sense of shame, and, and it's an assault on their, sen- their own sense of masculinity. So I think believing a man is critically important. Men can be raped. Mm. Sure, Shirley, a lot to think about. Thank mm. you so much for mm. coming on. And, and oh. you, you, I mean, just the, the deep compassion that you have as well mm. is incredibly, incredibly empowering. And I hope that for the girls that are listening, for the guys that are listening, there's just before you say goodbye, those numbers again that people can get hold of. So your rapecrisiscenter.org.za, right? Um, It's rapecrisis.org.za and you can find us on Facebook as well. Um, Then the numbers are 021-447-947-9762 and then the... um, 021-633-9229 021-633-9229 and then 021-361-9085 and if you phone that last number you're more likely to speak to a closer speaking counsellor as well oh fantastic yeah, yeah. and you, help is out there help is definitely yes, out there is. and we have a lot of information on our website people are welcome to go and um, look on our website um, I think on the home page if you scroll right down there is a booklet that we give to all survivors who access our, any of our services, um, and it's called You and Rape, The Road to Recovery. Mm. And it's got very, very helpful information in there. And it's really nice to know that this is taken so seriously, so yeah. seriously by the state that it is actually yeah. a crime against the state. So your yeah. community center, your community service center at the police station, mm. there are specialized mm. police who will take your statement. Yeah. You do not have to give your statement to anybody whom you feel uncomfortable with. At the government hospitals, there are rape kits there as well. Because um, yeah. I'd I read all about this with the rape kits. And, and <laughs> <laughs> yes. The police bring the rape kit, the specialized unit bring the rape kit to the the hospital um, mm. with them. Um, so the help yeah. is available, and yes, and absolutely. there is absolutely no reason to feel shame. And yeah. just just because you took the flowers, just because you took the chocolate, just because yeah. you said yes to the date, doesn't mm. mean that you have consented to anything else. Exactly. And if if you're ever in doubt and you just want to chat about it, phone our helpline. We're very happy to chat through it with you. And does it expire? Can you come to the police station six months later and say, I yes. want to, I want to report this thing that happened to me six, six months ago? No, there's no moratorium. Um, you can go anytime. Um, just remember then, of course, you're not going to get the same medical treatment. Um, you won't get access to ARVs morning after poll, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. The medical treatment then would be different and there'll be no forensic evidence either because that's also got to be collected within 72 hours. So 72 hours is the time, um, the, the window magic. period that you have yeah. to collect yeah. evidence that yes. will make your case stronger if you want to yes. report it. Yes. But and, and if you do go and, and at the time you get the forensic all collected yes. and stuff and then you don't want to report it at the time, will they keep it? Well, if you decide to collect the, um, you know, if you make the decision that you'll have the evidence collected, I think each unit has their own um, uh, ideas on how long they would keep the kit for. And I think it's sometimes only a month. Mm. So the person would have to check it out with the investigating officer. Um, he or she can advise the survivor around that. Mm. Um, you know, it's um, sometimes 
it's a just in case. Mm. And you can change your mind as well. You're entitled to change your mind and withdraw because this is your process. It's not anything else. Except, of course, in the case of children, it's very different then. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Thank you very much, Sherry Lee, for... Keeping it real. On cliffcentral.com. For keeping it real with us um, and chatting with us. Uh, definitely a big topic. And I didn't even realize how big this topic was until I actually started looking at the internet and speaking with people. I think it's going to be a two, a, a two show special, this one. So thank Great. you very much for your okay. time. Thanks, Apomi. You take care. Sure. Bye. Bye. So, sexual harassment in the workplace is. Another thing that around this time, you're not sure, is this person flirting with me or is this something that I can charge this person with? But before, I'm going to try and get an HR specialist on the line, a very good friend of mine. She was in a meeting and I'm hoping her meeting is finished. Um, I came across this little track on the Internet and it was a couple of years ago with a whole lot of stars who were lending their voices to saying that this should not happen to anybody. It's time to say no more. So, so I have got her on the line and I'm so excited. Very good friend of mine, Tabi, who's an HR specialist. Hello, Tabi. Hi, Pumi. Thank you for, for coming off the, you're out of your meeting to have this conversation. You literally only have, pleasure. you only have three minutes. And I was just okay, looking cool. up the movie that you were telling me about with Kerry Washington and confirmation. Oh my yes, goodness. Yes. I have to go check what it out. Movie. I have to go movie. check it out. But you so must. it's, it's Valentine's. Everybody has love in the air. Everybody is like flirting and trying out their luck. Right. And I'm thinking, right. hmm, in 2017, in the workplace This is the kind of shit That'll get you in trouble And that's okay. why I, I, That's why I asked you To come on To just You know from an HR perspective What are the, the, the thin lines That a person A girl should never get close to Or should actually recognize That this person has gone beyond Flirting with me now This is actually harassment well, for me, I would firstly say that the advice would then be for both girls and boys, right? So it wouldn't just be Eish. girl advice. So I, I would start by saying that, particularly in a corporate environment, um, the culture of the organization is very important, where you work and how you work. But as a precursor to, to the culture, you need to understand your own parameters and other people's parameters. Um, so small things, Pumi, like um, how you greet somebody, whether you hug or not hug, um, how you have an engagement with somebody, uh, what conversations you are having, the content of those very social, jovial conversations could lead us down a very uh, narrow path. So I would say that um, particularly if it's a new environment where you're not maybe sure of the people that you're interacting with or you don't know those people um, on a social context, I would say you must keep your parameters clear, um, your personal space. For instance, things around um, hugging people or gestures around maybe touching them on, on the shoulder or touching them on any part of the body, maybe when you're laughing or instances like that. You should steer clear of things like that because those kind of gestures um, and, and uh, demeanors could very easily be misinterpreted. And it starts for somebody with a, a smile. 
And for somebody, it's a wink. You know, um, I could say I was not comfortable with the way that you looked at me. Um, and the burden of proof always, unfortunately, lies with the person that is being accused of se- se- sexual harassment uh, or any inappropriate behavior. So if I'm having a conversation with you and then I find um, something to say about your top, you know, s- small things like that could be very easily be misinterpreted. Sure. The, the thing about the burden of proof gets me every time you say it. Gets me because it does my head in. Because when you are having a conversation between two people and today I say something about your top, tomorrow I say something about your short skirt and then... Four months from now, something has changed in your life. And I say something about that same top. And then yes. you decide today. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I know somebody that just one comment, which was said in a very social, um, jovial context, um, was, was then misinterpreted. And it then led down a very bad path for both parties or all the parties that were involved. So my advice would be steer clear of commenting about people's attires, uh, (laughs) what they're wearing, what they're not wearing or what you think they should be wearing. Um, I remember one of my first jobs many, many years ago is that I worked in a call center and you'd find that we would just dress down. We'd have these strappy tops. um, Some of your body would be hanging out. um, As you do when you're 20-something in a call center. When you're 21. (laughs) But I am then saying that even if a person dresses like that, um, you, you and you feel that you've got the right to comment. Be careful of the things that you do and not and do not say that can be taken out of context. So unless you are maybe in HR where you are giving the person advice on how to dress, so any other comment then would would can easily be deemed inappropriate. Um, if you then say to somebody, you know that that top shows your boobs. <laughs> So you couldn't say well, I it can, genuinely. I see your nipples. Yeah, I can see your nipples <laughs> in that top. That very easily uh, for me can, can be can be spun out of control. Sure. So, uh, so I, I do think that generally a rule of thumb: um, girl to boy, do not comment on the person's att- attire or outfit unless if you have that relationship and that is a protected relationship, and vice versa. Go, uh, boy to girl, girl to boy. Do not comment about people's attires um, or, or how they look in an outfit unless if you feel that, that you are in a protected relationship, whether they are your friend, your girlfriend, etc. But any other relationship, just steer clear of any such comments that could easily be misinterpreted. Yo, 2017, it's so hard out here. It's so hard out here. In 2017, there's so many things that could get you into trouble. And I think at this time of the year in particular, just keep to your damn self. Don't yeah, say stuff. Absolutely. Don't say yeah. stuff. And Tabby, thank you so much for coming on air. Um, okay good advice. Good advice for girls and boys. Okay, I think I have to say goodbye because I see Grant on the other side. And before I am, uh, I myself am charged with uh, sexual misconduct in the workplace. I better leave the studio, vacate the studio. And I'm going to say goodbye to you. Thanks for tuning in to Womanla. And have a safe time. It's Valentine's Day next week. Be safe.
one of my favorite songs, which I thought was so ballsy after that whole Rihanna and Chris Brown thing for Eminem to have her talking about this. Cliffcentral.com